Is that really in the Bible? Well, we were all born into a ready-made world of religion. I, uh, I don't think any of us ever questioned it. We, we assume the traditions around us come uh, straight from the Bible. Most people are educated by the Bible, by what they've been told by others. My minister said so. It's the greatest authority they have. Uh, they wholeheartedly put their trust in another's opinion about the Bible. Well, in seminary school, a man or woman is taught a theology about the Bible. It's a uh, set of beliefs that the student assumes is right. We never ask the question, what if there is some error in the things I've been taught about God? And the real problem is, these errors are passed on to the congregation as absolute truth. Hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? You know, sometimes we human beings can ask God some good questions. And a good question today I want to deal with is this. Is there really a God that loves me? Is there really a God that loves you? Now, sometimes we look at war, we look at death, we look at accidental death, we look at disease, we look at sickness, we look at poverty, and we're not sure by looking at all that that God loves anyone. Or at the very least, maybe all he's doing is just giving mankind, giving mankind enough rope to hang ourselves. But there, is there really a God that loves you? Is there really a God that loves me? You know, sometimes we look at ourselves when we, when we ask that question, and what we realize is that we're not lovable because we've made many mistakes. Our conscious our consciousness will not allow us to be loved by God. In other words, we go through a list of all the things that we've done wrong in the past. We psychologically and mentally keep a record of our, all of our wrongdoing. And when we think about that, we look at it and we say, there's no way. Because I know me, there's no way. If there is a God, there's no way he could love me. No way. Now, I want to tell you something about God's love today that goes beyond the familiar teaching about God's love. By the end of this program, you're going to know more about God's love than probably all the 40 years that you've been in church. There's not a preacher out there that's ever told you what I'm about to tell you about God's love. Now, a familiar scripture is John 3 and verse 16. In fact, it's been used so many times, it's worn out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should be, uh, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe you see that on a, painted on a barn on the side of the road, maybe at a football stadium, a banner, someone holding that up. But you're familiar with that verse. And sometimes, because we are so familiar, when you hear this, it has no meaning. Or maybe I should say it's lost its meaning upon society. Now, when we talk about, okay, God so loved the world that he gave us, he gave us his only begotten son, let's put the shoe on the other foot. If you were God, would you do this? Give your own, or give your life, or give your only begotten son. You know, now when I think about this, if I were God, I would just say, kill them all. You know, and I sure wouldn't be giving my child 
to die for these rebels. No, not me. Is there really a God that loves you? Now, I will say this when trying to understand God's love. People that you love the most are people that you have invested a lot into. You know, one of the reasons it's hard for you to love a stranger is because strangers are harder to love because you have no investment in a stranger. You don't know them. But the people that we love the most are the ones that we have invested a lot in. Our children, our family, our wife, our husband, our co sometimes a co-worker. People that you work together, you can get very close working together. You have the same goal, the same agenda, and yeah, you can get close to a co-worker because you've invested so much in the job circumstances. And so when I come back to this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, maybe it's because God has a big investment, okay? God has a project going on called saving mankind from his self-destructive behavior. And he's invested a lot into that. He's invested everything in this project. And this project, I want to talk about this project. God is on a time schedule for saving mankind from their self-destructive behavior. In other words, you know, I know this is going to be hard for you to understand, but God's not trying to save everybody right now from their self-destructive behavior. There are many people who will live and die and they will never be saved from their self-destructive behavior. Prisons are full of people like this. I had an uncle, Uncle Ralph, who smoked himself to death. He died of emphysema and lung cancer. He could barely, I mean, he basically choked to death. I remember visiting him in the hospital during his last days, and it was not a pretty sight. But he died from his self-destructive behavior. And, you know, if you've ever known someone who committed suicide, you know they weren't saved from their self-destructive behavior. Many of the Hollywood stars that you read about, drug overdose, they died from their self-destructive behavior. Now, I didn't say you couldn't preach them into heaven and all that stuff. You know, and by, and by the way, you've never been to a funeral where some poor sap got preached into hell. You never have and you never will. They all managed to squeak through the pearly gates somehow. But my point is, self, people that die in their self-destructive behaviors have never been saved. You understand what I'm saying? They've never really been saved because salvation is about life. When I hear people committing suicide, I realize they were never saved from their self-destructive behavior. Uh, salvation is about life. It's the very opposite of taking your life, okay? So there's many people, you know, there, there, are, there, there are people who claim to be saved and they are living in a self-destructive behavior, lifestyle. Some people call it sin. But you see, claiming to be saved and living in a self-destructive behavior is an oxymoron. It's two opposites. You can't have it. It doesn't work. So when we ask this question, is there really a God that loves me? We've got to understand this. God's not saving everybody right now 
from their self-destructive behavior. That should be obvious. It should be obvious to anybody with a couple of brain cells in their head who just thinks for a moment and looks at the world around them and realizes, no, God's not saving everybody from their self-destructive behavior. I could just easily, as easily say, God's not saving everyone right now. God is on a time schedule for saving mankind from those self-destructive behaviors. If you are to ever grasp and understand the love that God has for mankind, you must understand this one point. Today is not the only day of salvation. Let me repeat that. If you are to ever grasp and understand the love that God has for humanity, you must understand this one point. Today is not the only day of salvation. There are many people who are going to live and who live and die in their misery, and they're going to go to their grave with a self-destructive behavior. In fact, in many cases, it is that self-destructive behavior that will cause their death. You see, if you believe that today is the only day of salvation, then you're going to have to admit that this is the best God can do to save mankind. Yeah. You're going to have to admit that what you see on Sunday morning, all the television evangelists, people knocking each other down, slapping people upside the head, be healed, be saved, give your heart to the Lord. You're going to have to admit that that's the best, that's God's best effort at saving the world. You're going to have to admit that if you believe today's the only day of salvation. You see, I'm trying to help you understand and answer the question, is there really a God that loves you. You see, God will not call you to salvation one second before he knows that you're ready. God knows your heart. God is, knows all judgment. God's judgments are true. And so God knows your heart. And when he looks at people's heart, often he knows they're not ready. Many times God looks at the heart. And he says, God says, you know, if I offered that person salvation right now, that person would make a train wreck of salvation. Can't offer it to him right now. You know, the idea that God is desperately trying to save the world now and that the devil is desperately trying to get everybody lost is indeed a lie. It's simply not taught in your Bible. You know, only 33% of the world's population claim to be Christian. Did you know that? Only 33% of the world's population claim to be Christian. And we know in that 33%, there's a lot of fakes and frauds in that, you know, 33%. So it's really actually a lot less than that. Okay. Now, Jesus said this concerning salvation. John 6 and verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You see, we don't get religious. We don't get saved. We don't go out and get some salvation or anything like that unless God initiates, unless God first calls a person. As Jesus said, 
no man can even come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And the illusion that a lot of religious people have today is that the Father is drawing everybody right now to him. I'm telling you, no, he's not. He's not drawing everybody right now. Let's take a look at this verse about the gospel that may surprise you. Matthew 24 and verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, and that tells us what the gospel is all about. It was a gospel about a specific message. It was about the soon coming kingdom of God on this earth. Okay, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Did you notice that it says this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness? You know, it doesn't say this gospel shall be preached in order to save the whole world now. It doesn't even say that. It says it's got to be preached for a witness. And a witness is basically so that you have heard. That's basically all a witness is. It's just so that you have heard. And the end is not going to come into, into until that witness is heard. Now, you thought the gospel was about getting everybody saved right now, didn't you? And that's not what that verse says. No, it says this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world for a witness. Doesn't say anything about to save the whole world right now. Now, the word gospel simply means good news. The good news is Christ is going to return to this earth. Why? Well, that's because that's where all the problems are at. That's where we're at. So Christ is going to return to fix everything. That's where all the problems are. Heaven doesn't need fixing. The world needs fixing. So Christ is going to return to fix it. The good news is that the kingdom of God is coming to this earth. God's going to set up his government called the kingdom of God on this earth. That's the good news. The good news is that God offers salvation to those few he is calling right now. That's the good news. The good news is that Christ died for our sins. The good news is if, if, if God is calling you, there is forgiveness. But the greatest good news is that God is on a time schedule for saving mankind from their self-destructive behavior. Today is not the only day of salvation. You know, if I believed that 60%, you know, I said earlier, only 33% of the world's population even claim to be Christian. And we know all those 33 are not all, you know, they're not all true Christians. A lot of them are just running around, you know, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And I'm saying, I love the Lord, you know. So, but that means, you know, if I believe that 66% of the world's population who do not claim to be Christian, if I thought they were all lost, how could you call that the good news? That's not good news. That's bad news. The gospel is about good news, not bad news. If I thought 60% of the world's population is going to be all lost, that's not good news at all. That's bad news. Let's notice this verse, 2 Peter 3 and verse 8. 2 Peter 3 and verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years 
as one day. In other words, God reckons time differently. When a thousand years goes by, God looks at that as one day. Two thousand years, two days. Now it is true that those six thousand years, those six work days that God has allotted mankind to do his own thing, those days are about up, I admit. And what's coming is the seventh day, the Sabbath rest for mankind, the kingdom of God on this earth, the millennial reign of Christ Jesus on this earth. Yeah, that's coming in the very near, near future. But what I'm saying is God's on a different time schedule. He doesn't reckon time like we look at time. A day is like a thousand years or a thousand years like a day to God. Now, question, how many people during the 6,000 years that has already passed by, how many people have lived and died in an unsaved condition during that time? Well, there's been a lot. I mean, you think of, let's see, Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed uh, Noah and the flood. You know, build an ark. Yeah. What about all those people that were destroyed in the flood? Were they the worst of sinners? Don't they deserve a chance to be saved? They all drowned. Well, sure they deserve a chance. Okay, how many people have lived and died in an unsaved condition during the past 6,000 years? Well, what happens to those people? Do you know? Has your preacher told you? Do you think they're all going to hell? Well, you know, people have these illusions. They do. But I'm talking about God's love here. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that, but that all should come to repentance. God is long-suffering. God is on a time schedule. And that time schedule involves a little bit more than the way we look at time and just that short little snippet of time that we have here on earth. God looks at the whole grand scheme of things a whole lot different than we do. And he's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. Isn't that good news? Now, that's the best news you've heard all day long, that God's not willing that any should perish. And I'm trying to tell you how God is going to do this. I'm trying to show you and explain to you God's great love for humanity. God is on a time schedule for saving mankind from their self-destructive behavior. And it involves more than just one resurrection. Let's take a look at it in Revelation 20 and verse 5. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So we have something here called the rest of the dead. Well, who are the rest of the dead? Who's involved in this resurrection called the rest of the dead? Well, let me tell you who. All those who were never saved from their self-destructive behavior in this life. That's the rest of the dead. Let me repeat that. All those who were never saved from their self-destructive behavior in this life are referred to as the rest of the dead. They're going to come up in the second re resurrection. And that would include a lot of people, you know, all those people who were never saved from their self-destructive behavior. That's a lot of prisoners. That's a lot of 
I talked about my Uncle Ralph who died of emphysema and lung cancer. I talked about if you ever known anybody that committed, committed suicide, well, they died from a self-destructive behavior. I talked about a lot of the Hollywood stars and the drug overdoses and all that stuff. Yeah, rest of the dead, the rest of the dead. You see, everybody gets only one chance for salvation. According to, here's the good news, according to God's timing, everybody who has ever lived and existed is going to get one chance for salvation according to God's timing. And God's timing involves not just one resurrection, but a couple resurrections. You see, many people's time will be when God resurrects the rest of the day, of the dead, excuse me. When God resurrects the rest of the dead. Today is not the only day of salvation. Romans 11 and verse 32. It says, For God has concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Now this, this little verse is somewhat troubling because it's a little bit hard to understand. It's a very powerful scripture that talks about God's mercy. And one of the ways God's mercy exists is that he shuts people up in unbelief. That he might have mercy upon them at a later time. Now this verse is talking about, it talks about the elect of God. That some people's hearts are just blinded now. And there's some few who have been called now. You have the elect of God, but then you have a huge majority of people who have been blinded, shut up in unbelief. And listen, if your heart has been blinded by God, shut up in unbelief, there's not a thing you can do to change that. Not a thing. You will simply die in your self-destructive behavior. There's a lot of people who have been shut up in unbelief. And when I looked at this verse, you know, for God has concluded, concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all, the question I had was, well, how could God blind man's heart and have mercy at the same time? It didn't make any sense. And I realized the answer was, it was not at the same time. It was not at the same time. It was not that God was going to blind people's heart and have mercy at the same time. You see, God can blind a man's heart today and have mercy on that same man at a time when the rest of the dead come back to life. Let's read it again. Romans 11 and verse 32. This is a powerful scripture if you're ever going to understand the love that God has for mankind. For God has concluded them all in unbelief, in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. You know, the question is, is there really a God that loves you? And my answer is yes, there is. And there's a God that loves you more than you will ever know. And knowing about God's love is understanding God's great plan of salvation that he has for mankind. You know, most people don't understand this plan of salvation. When you lock God in a box and you say, okay, everybody's either saved or lost, and that's it. 
and you lock God in a box and you put God in this box where he's desperately trying to get everybody saved and the devil is desperately trying to get everybody lost, you know, you really have God in a box. You know, you're, a lot of people's problem is this. Your God is too small. Your God is too small. And you haven't seen beyond, you know, outside of the box the box of true salvation. The fact of the matter is, God is on a time schedule for saving mankind from their self-destructive behavior. And not everybody is gonna be saved today from their self-destructive behavior. That should be obvious to anybody. It should be obvious to any thinking rational thinking person who just looks at his world around him and realizes there are people that have lived and died and their self-destructive behavior by the billions down through the generations, down through the past 6,000 years. If you are to ever grasp and understand the love that God has for mankind, you must understand this one point. Today is not the only day of salvation. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. Traditional Christian teachings about hell would consign at least 80% or more of humanity straight to an eternal and never-ending torment in an ever-burning hell when they die. Is this really the action of a just and merciful God? Order your free copy of If God So Loved the World, Why Are So Many People Going to Hell? If you have ever been concerned about the spiritual condition of a lost loved one, then you need to read this book. You will come to understand that God truly is a merciful, compassionate God that will give everyone a chance for salvation according to His timing. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program, this program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount. 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, 
Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.